A popular outcast production. Plug my birthday? Yes. I plug your birthday. <laughs> plug your birth canal. Today's date is July 1st. We're recording on June 24th, 2014. I'm Kevin Seibert, and with me is... Mark Matters. Emmer Smith. Mark, how are you doing? Really well, thank you very much. Are you drinking anything tonight? I am. Let me grab the bottle. This is a local beer, uh, Knee Deep Brewing Company. It's called Hopperillo Triple IPA. This baby has 11.1% alcohol and 122 IBUs. And for a little bit of perspective, your traditional IPA, which a lot of people consider very bitter beer, has about 60 to 70 IBUs. So this is double that. So this is more bitter than most of you wieners can handle. Is it more bitter than your wiener can handle? No, because honestly, depending, it must be the certain type of hops that they're using in this one, because it actually tastes very like creamy and citrusy. Mm-hmm. Like it's, actually, it's not really actually bitter. It's just really strong, and the end of this episode is going to get silly. <laughs> that 11% is going to... Yeah. What are you playing that's not for the show? Um, well, as you know, I've been playing Mario Kart 8 still. Yes. Um, and I just love playing online. I love those days when we can get a bunch of people together and, and play. And My favorite part is watching the replays. Like I'll sit there and watch the replays for almost as long as I have just sat down and played. Yeah, those, that replay feature is really cool. Like the other day, I, I saw you posted a video, and uh-huh. yeah, like that—that that was the race that that we had the other night. Like, I, and it was really cool to be able to see that because those are some epic races that night, especially where you got like nailed at the finish line and went from first to last. Yeah, I don't like I, to talk about that. Yeah, no, um, that was, <laughs> it was pretty great. I've also been playing Pikmin Three, which I got for free with Mario Kart Eight, um, and it's really awesome and beautiful, but it's just not really grabbing me. Like I'd hoped it would. Yeah, the first Pikmin game didn't really do anything for me, but I also got Pikmin 3 as my free game. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. I, I really like playing with the touchscreen controls. Mm-hmm. Um, most importantly, though, I've just been playing Eco on the PS2 for the first time. Made by the same people as Shadow of the Colossus, but came before it. Oh, yeah. It's a it's like a puzzle platformer, and it's just one big level. Like It's just this big castle. There's no levels or anything like that. And I loved it. Uh, it only took me like six hours to finish it. Controls are kind of broken. I mean, it's an old game, 2001. The camera's like a nightmare. But like I said, like the just the level design is really great. And like the sound design is freaking amazing. It's just perfect and gorgeous. And, and um, I don't know, the overall like tone and, and the story and, and really actually specifically the characters are so likable. Just... It's a really memorable experience. The gameplay is totally unique. And when he says characters, you have to understand that there's no dialogue in the whole game. Not one word. 
in the cutscenes, there's some, but a lot of it's in a different language that you isn't even translated in the subtitles. And there's a button to hold hands. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> you, your, your objective is to escort this weird princess who speaks in gibberish just through a castle where shadow monsters are trying to, like, glom her. And you hit them with a stick, and you're like, come on. You, there's a penny arcade that's hilarious. You're just like, come on, bitch, move, <laughs> follow me. And the animation is incredibly beautiful, like, because you, you're, like, holding hands with this weird princess girl, and you're, like, mm-hmm. running through this giant, majestic castle. It's an experience. It is. It really is. I'm really disappointed that they didn't reveal their latest game to be coming out soon at E3. That's been in the works for forever now, hasn't like, it? Like, I think 2009 like, it's pretty scary at this point because it looked amazing, so I don't know. So question of the week, Mark, what do you hate the most about Doctor Who? Yeah, this came about because we all watch the show, I and mean, we all have things we love and we hate about it. Um, there's a lot I could say good about it. What I hate the most about Doctor Who is the inconsistent writing. That When it's great, it's like my favorite show of all time. And when it's bad, it's just kind of mediocre. But because it's like my favorite show of all time, that's devastating. After Tenant, like it's they sort of lost like their memorable like supporting cast, mm-hmm. and a lot of the supporting cast for the Matt Smith era, aside from Rory and Amy, were really weak. And when they like all came together at one point, you're supposed to be like, yeah, he's got this whole posse of like, wait, who the hell is that again? Yeah, so. yeah and half of them were like brand new. Yeah. Made up for that episode. Right. Big fat blue guy and Snake Lady and Snake Lady's lesbian girlfriend. <laughs> that, I think you're giving them too much character development now. You're exceeding yeah. the show. <laughs> Fine. Emrys, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking, well, I'm soon to stop drinking. This is iced tea from the Keurig machine. It's peach flavored iced tea and it takes like pure triple distilled charcoal filtered asshole. <laughs> and I think that's because it's full of like artificial sweeteners or something, but it uh, tastes like vomit. But not artificial assholes? No, real assholes. <laughs> yes. They put real asshole in that one, guys. <laughs> what are you playing this not for the show? I am I am between games right at the moment because League of Legends is just a terrible mistress. So, I've sort of been trying to find something else to hold my attention and I can't. What about Hearthstone? What happened with that? Hearthstone is just it's another fickle mistress because so I have I have this one deck that I like and I feel like okay playing it. Like when I lose, I'm like, alright, I just got beaten. And when I when I win, I'm like, okay, I, I played my deck properly, you know? Some decks you you're just like, oh I didn't get the right cards, so I lose. I didn't get them all in exactly the right order, so I lose. I hate that. Mm -hmm. But the problem with Hearthstone is that in order to get gold, to get cards, you have to do these quests. And the quests are like, play a hunter. Win five games with a hunter. And I fucking hate hunters. (laughs) I hate them so much. So, like, I, I, I downloaded a hunter deck. I got it off the internet. And I couldn't stand playing it. It was torture. But I finally f- filled out these quests, and so then I started playing my real deck, the one I actually like, and it was, it was like, almost enjoyable. What class is that, just out of curiosity? 
Shaman. Oh, I like the Shaman. I hate Shaman. Yeah, I mean, Hunters aren't the best either. Like, the, the Hunters are like, you win by turn five or you lose. But you don't even lose... Like, you don't even, like, feel good playing while you lose. No, you don't. Like, there's no chance for you to come back. you just like, oh, all right, I lose. It's bullshit. All right, well, question of the week for you. What is it that you hate the most about Doctor Who? Yeah, I hate Stephen Moffat the most. Oh, wow. That's that's a bold claim, sir. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a big thing to hate. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is responsible, I feel, for the inconsistent writing. After after David Tennant, uh, Stephen Moffat took over. Right. He took over the show, and so he's been he's been setting the tone and like approving the scripts and all this stuff. And I just think that the show has gotten worse. I felt like he he wrote probably some of the best episodes of the show, but I, but I agree with you that the show has taken a, a dive since he became showrunner. Yeah, back under Russell T Davies, he wrote some really great episodes that were characterized by being like kind of off the wall like he would throw three or four things into an episode and it would it would be pretty intense mm-hmm. now the whole show is like that every episode has to have 14 wacky shenanigans in it <laughs> or else it's apparently not doctor who i just watched what i felt like was one of the most aggravating episodes i don't even remember what it was called there's this like Jupiter planet surrounded by rings and then they go to a temple and they're singing to this Jupiter planet and then the planet wakes up and then they feed it a leaf and it dies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the importance of that leaf is revealed later. The importance of the leaf is completely made up. They're like, this leaf is important because it slapped me in the face. You mean made up just like everything else in Doctor Who? Well, come on, that's a cop out. Well, no, I mean like they like instill this leaf with supposed infinite whatever i i couldn't even make sense of it it was nonsense maybe i'm thinking of a different leaf <laughs> is that the leaf that uh was in a book yeah okay clara gets it out of her book yeah that's a really important leaf no it's not it's just a leaf <laughs> it's just a leaf okay okay it's just a leaf it did it's not any more important than any other random piece of matter in the universe. You know, when he was walking down the street, he was also breathing some air. That air is not instilled with mystical significance just because he was breathing it. Keep watching. Alright, well, tonight, I'm drinking a Dogfish Head Burton Baton. I need to know about this. It's an oak-aged Imperial India Pale Ale. Ooh. Yeah, the bottle label describes it as, um, says, this special ale is a two-thread blend of young and wood-aged Imperial IPA. Please share it with loved ones and hoard it from the (laughs) non-believers. Let me give it a taste here. It's an IPA, definitely. It's uh, it's quite bitter, but yeah, it's kind of like how you described yours. It's pretty, it it tastes like creamy and smooth. Like, it's not giving me bitter beer face. Well, that's just, bitter beer face is propaganda made up by people like um, Budweiser. Well, right. Whatever, just say, oh, if beer has flavor, you shouldn't like it. Yeah, you should only like it if it fucks you up. Well, let me tell you what, this is going to fuck me up because it is also, it is 10%. Yeah, it's going to, awesome, it's going to do that in one beer, whereas you need 50 Coors Lights to do the same thing. Wait, 50 Coors Lights fucks you up? You're a lightweight, man. (laughs) What are you playing? I'm playing, well, Mario Kart 8, which we were just doing last night. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also, uh... I've returned to 
Animal Crossing. I've been dabbling oh. in that. Yeah. Weird timing though, because it seems like when you were playing it last, it was in the, like in the summer months, and the, yeah. that game's best played in like different seasons. Yeah, I'm noticing that. I'm noticing it. Um, I mean, I'm not really catching anything new, but I'm kind of just having fun, like you know, interacting with people in my village again. I got a I got a penguin now, and I have a a pig who kind of annoys me. I always wanted to get an octopus. I never got an octopus. Do they? Do they? Does that exist? Yeah, I did not know that. An octopus? Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy. You can go online. It shows all the different villagers you can get. Cool. Well, question of the week. What do you hate most about Doctor Who? More than anything else, I think I hate the people who like it. Ooh. <laughs> and this, this, this works because I also hate myself. Wait, wait. When you say the people you, who like it, you mean like the shippers and like the weirdos at Comic-Cons and stuff or what? No, I mean the people who, who like, are the reason that there are Doctor Who shirts in Hot Topic. Uh. <laughs> like, I I kind of like it being, like, niche or whatever, you know? Like, like the people who, I like it being something for the sci-fi fans and not, like, the, the you know, the 13-year-old girls who think Matt Smith is hot. Yeah, that's true. See... I think that having a, a a broad fan base, even if it's a shallow one, helps with a show's staying power. Like yeah. I'll take I'll take thirteen year olds who think Matt Smith is cute if they're still making Doctor Who in like another twenty years. Yeah, I mean chances are pretty good. The show's been going for like fifty years, minus like what a six year absence there for a minute. Let's get into our first review. Kevin, would you mind? doing this the game i'm reviewing is the wolf among us for ios it's developed by telltale games it's available on the App Store for $5 per episode. It's an episodic experience, sort of mm-hmm. like the Walking Dead game. How many episodes? Um, there's going to be a total of five when it's finished. Okay. Four are out right now. Each chapter's between one to two hours, so it's a little on the pricey side, in my opinion, for the amount of content you're getting. The Wolf Among Us is based on the Vertigo comic book series Fables. It's... Uh, the concept of Fables, for anyone who's not familiar, is uh, a bunch of famous fairy tale characters such as Snow White and um, the Big Bad Wolf and, you know, Tweedledum and Tweedledee have come to our world and live in an alternate version of New York City, but undercover. Like, nobody knows that they're fables. They just, they have glamours on them to make them appear as humans. The game is kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure book where you select dialogue options and it changes the way characters react to you, and it can actually change the course of events in the game as well, to the extent where, I guess, like, depending on what options you choose, certain characters will live and certain characters will die. I only did one playthrough on it, I, that's just from what I read about the game, but um, it's also punctuated with um, occasional quick-time events for fight scenes, where you have to swipe certain ways to dodge attacks or swipe to throw a punch or something like that. Oh, hey, uh, mm-hmm. did you play this on iPhone or iPad? iPad. Good call. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my phone is a piece of shit. I mean, I'm still running an iPhone 4. It wouldn't have been able to handle this. Like, I was running it on my brand new iPad mini, and I was still getting frame rate issues. But, okay. I mean, at that oh, point, wow. it's the game's fault. It's not the fault of the hardware. I checked into it, and other people had frame rate issues with it as well. You play as the Sheriff of Fable Town, Big B Wolf, also known as the Big Bad Wolf. Um, you're trying to bring a serial killer to justice who is uh, killing fables by decapitating them. Um, but only female fables, like only women. They're clearly a fetishist. Yeah, so who dies? Um, donkey Skin Girl? Oh, so not anybody famous, like Cinderella or anything? No, not not yet. I only played the first two episodes. Okay. The The animation, for, particularly for the fight scenes, is impressive. The choreography is good. Um, the voice acting is really solid. And like I said, I only played the first two episodes, and that's all I'm ever going to play, because what, what the fuck is wrong with this fucking game? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, this game pissed me off so much. It opens with this it opens with a scene of domestic violence involving the woods the woodsman from Little Red Riding Hood beating up a prostitute. So the big bad wolf shows up to there, break breaks up that fight, keeps the the woodsman from abusing a prostitute. Most of the female fables have become strippers at the Pudding and Pie, which is a strip club that's run by Georgie Porgy. <laughs> I just, I want to know why the fuck everything has to be ultra-sexualized and needlessly graphic and portray women as nothing but sex objects. It's a Vertigo Ooh. comic. I saw the Little Mermaid's boobs! Who's into this? <laughs> Whoa, did they show her little fishy, you know what? No, no, she has okay. a glamour on her, so, like, she has legs. But, like, oh. I saw her fucking nipples. Wow. <laughs> like, I, for the life of me, I can't compre comprehend who this game is for. 14-year-olds who are horny, but they shouldn't be playing this game. It's rated M, and you're encouraged to, like, torture Tweedledee for information. <laughs> like, who, who the fuck is into this shit? Most of the gaming press. <laughs> yeah, the gaming press is really into this, and I don't understand yeah. it. Like, they're, it's the same crowd who thinks Game of Thrones is fucking amazing. Let me tell you something. This is a good point. I'm going to get on my soapbox here for like 10 seconds. Uh, I'm a big fan of this Portable Games podcast and website called Tiny Cartridge. And one of their people who also works for um, Gama Sutra, a uh, video games developer slash, I don't know, website, whatever. Um, I can't understand most of the articles on that website. Went to E3 and I believe it was during Far Cry 4's presentation. He commented how disturbing it was that the audience erupted into like cheers and and applause when like there was this really gory like scene of a man like shoving a knife into a guy's like face or something like that. Yeah. And that's that is the gaming press at E3. That's not like commoners like us, you know, mm -hmm. that it's it's a disturbing trend that that's where this is going. It's it's a bros world now that we're living in. And this is not, like, these are not the kinds of video games that I want to play. I'm not into the whole Grand Theft Auto thing for this exact reason. I'm right. not into torturing people. I'm not into abusing women. I'm not into any of that shit. And it really fucking frightens me that this is something that people pay money for. I want my fucking $10 back. <laughs> yeah, that's a brave statement. So I've actually read the Fables comic books, like some of the early ones. I read the first issue. And this is pretty much what the comic book was like. Well, I mean, I'm not into that either, though. Yeah. I said I read the first issue. I didn't read the other issues. And, like, I still think that there's some degree of difference. 
I'm not saying there's a lot of difference. There's a degree of difference in reading it and being in a game of this type where it makes you choose your path or whatever, but, like, your your paths... Like, the paths that are available to you are all vile and disgusting. It's like, do, would you like to intimidate Toad? Would you like to beat Toad? Would you like to slap Toad? Would you like to skull fuck Toad? Like, these are... I, I, I don't understand, like, why everything just has to be dark now. Like, I mean, you know, you need new ideas and stuff, but... Aren't you a fan of Walking Dead? I haven't read it in probably about two years now. The The, the thing is... With Walking Dead, it's about a character who's trying to make the right decisions and just repeatedly fails. In Fables, at least in this game anyway, I mean, I haven't read Beyond the First Issue, but it's just horrible people doing horrible things to each other with no yeah. remorse or, or consequences. Like, everything that Rick does in The Walking Dead that is wrong, there's a consequence for it. And everything that's that the evil... We'll just very generally call them the evil people in that book. Do there are dire consequences? Right. Yeah, I get it. Um, I think I, I think there's a time and a place for I won't say stuff like this, but I think there's a time and a place for grit and and grim stories and stuff like that. But there there are boundaries. I haven't played The Wolf Among Us. Um, I was mildly interested in it, but um, yeah, I don't know. But the thing is that all that kind of ultra violence loses its impact when you're overexposed to it. And it just stops being like a functional storytelling tool and just becomes like a grim carnival of horrors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I I jumped on the beast and like clawed his eyes out during one of the quick time events. That's so excessive. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. This this wasn't even like a big battle. It was just a friendly skirmish where like the beast well, well, I'm not a friendly skirmish, but like the beast sees you with beauty, sees Big B with beauty, and is like, What? You're cheating? So okay, so first of all, like, you know, a a meat a meat necked um you know, misogynist who like doesn't trust his wife starts a fight with the big bad wolf because he sees supposedly his wife cheating on cheating on him with the wolf, even though they're just standing there, both fully clothed, it turns into a fight where the big bad wolf is like, you know what, like, the best way to deal with this is to claw his eyes out. And, like, they're, I mean, you know, <laughs> stuff, like, stuff like that grows back for fables, I guess, but it's still, like, you know, this is stuff that you have to, like, you have to see, you have to experience mm -hmm. in this game, and it's not for me, and I don't think it should be for anybody. I won't say that 100% agree, but I definitely, like, I partially agree. And I, I think, I don't know, it's it's a valid opinion. You know, what I, I've, I've played a couple of the Telltale Games uh, episodic stuff, and mm -hmm. they're usually, like, pretty good stories. The I played The Walking Dead and the first season, and I played the in-between season episode. And, um, yeah, they were really well done, really well acted. But it was it was definitely a clear like good versus evil story. Yeah, although The Walking Dead was was really good, mm -hmm. and it was not ultra violent despite being a zombie game. There's also a difference I think between like violence against the undead and violence against like living people. Well, yeah. there's a scene there's a scene in the Walking Dead game. There's probably a couple actually. Where a character like just pulls out a gun and shoots another person in the head, and it's an effective scene, B 
because it doesn't happen all the time. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, somebody goes crazy and bad things happen. It's not like, I'm gonna rip somebody's eyes out all the time over, like, a domestic dispute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, like, that's the thing about these fables, is because, like, they're... Like, fables are apparently more durable than normal humans. Unless so, you like, decapitate them, apparently. Right. But, like, in the very first scene of the first episode, when you when you fight the woodsman, you end the fight by sinking his own axe into his skull. <laughs> and that doesn't kill him. He's a recurring character in this. This is, okay, the more you talk about this, the more I agree with you. This is just sounding like murder porn. Yeah. It's murder porn with characters that you loved when you were a child. <laughs> to me, it sounds like it's meant to be humorous. I mean, maybe I just am not seeing it in context, so I'm finding it entertaining because I'm a horrible person, but... Yeah, I doubt the I doubt the presentation. It's not presented in a humorous light. Maybe I'm just missing it. Maybe I don't get the joke. All right, yeah. Well, the joke's on me for asking you to, re- to review this game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you really want to try it out next time I'm out in California, I'll bring my iPad. You can play it, but please don't buy it. Nah. Nah. That's okay. Okay. Well, Emrys, let's hear your review. I'm here to review a friendly addition or a friendly face um, to the podcast. I'm here to review Ping 1.5, which is uh, the brainchild of our good friend and fan, Chris. It's Christopher Arnold of Namitento Mushi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> yes. Christopher Arnold, who we actually we did a, uh, an interview with him. Um, which is one of our our best episodes. Ping 1.5 is an update to the classic um, physics puzzler Ping, which adds simply just a a lot more. Um, It's the same basic format um, where you have a bunch of levels and you unlock levels by solving the puzzle. And the puzzle is to bounce a little white box into an orange on the other side of the map. And in between, there are moving platforms and all kinds of obstacles, like a big smiley face, for example. You have to bounce the box off the smiley face and into the orange to to move on. One of the biggest things that this game has added are boss levels. Oh, shoot. Yes. They are crazy pants. Uh, The first boss is like a giant Pac-Man-looking guy who shoots laser beams at you. And the objective is to hit the guy in the middle. You have to hit him, like, 40 times while not using up more than a certain number of bounces. It's actually really hard. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So, I honestly, I don't know how to even tackle the boss. I sort of barely passed it. Um, You get to swipe it as many times as you want. So you can redirect the, um, I don't know what to call it, the ping. You can redirect the ping in midair. That's different from the first one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. The first one did not have boss battles. No, I just meant, um, didn't you have a limited amount of swipes and then you failed or something like that? In the normal levels, you only have one swipe that you can use. In the boss levels, you can swipe it multiple times. So here, I'm actually, I'm going to 
load up the second boss fight. Destroy as many asteroids as you can. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the field is just full of these, like, um, asteroid boxes. Oh, I see. There are these balls in the air. And so you have to bounce your little ping into the balls, and the balls explode. And the point is to explode the balls so they destroy the asteroids. You have 20 shots to accomplish this, and I'm assuming oh, you, and only a limited number of um, bounces. So I'm almost done. I have 76 out of 100. <laughs> Stuff is just, it's literally just like, oh, I lost. The, the boss battles are a little wacky. Um, but the regular levels are wonderful. There's a couple new features, which are nice. First of all, when you hold down the the ping pointer, it'll slow down the moving platforms and whatnot. So it's actually easier to line up your shot. There's a new feature where if you bounce out all of your bounces, and you so there's a copper, a silver, and a gold star which if you can get it under a certain number of bounces, you get one of those stars. So if you go over the amount needed for a, a copper star, then you just fail, and it closes and gives you the option to restart. Oh. Whereas in the old game, you would just keep bouncing until infinity. Oh, I see. That's what I was thinking of earlier. Okay. Because yeah. I, get, I get the emails, because I, I, I helped um, like crowdsource this game. Oh, and... yeah. I got his regular updates and emails and stuff like that. And it was something like that, that isn't there? I'm just, you know, I can't even talk, let alone think right now, because I've drank too much beer. <laughs> <laughs> I've drank too much of that iced tea. It's not having a positive effect. Now your mouth sphincter smells like your backside sphincter. <laughs> My one criticism, I suppose if it can be called that, is that... The pointer, so in the old game, when you hold onto the ping and hold it down to aim it, there would be a a pointer that comes along with it. The pointer used to be, like, white or something. It was visible. But now the pointer is black, and the background is black, so you can't actually see it. Hmm. Which makes it considerably harder to, like, make the tiny adjustments. That's a weird design choice. Aiming. I feel like it's a very strange problem to have because the old game it was really nice that you could you could do that. So I don't know if it was an intentional design decision or an oversight or what. Mm -hmm. The the game is super addictive and the music actually is really good. I don't remember if there was music in the old game. Yeah. But there there's a lot more of it in the Ping 1.5. Also, I I can't really describe but there's all kinds of other, like, quality of life improvements just to make the game seem more polished and interesting. Like, the, the world themes are much more dynamic now. Occasionally, it's a little hard to tell what moving piece is part of the obstacles and what of it is background. But you, you quickly figure it out. And there's, like, all kinds of little things going on that make it seem like a really more refined game. Are the graphics improved at all? Yeah, well, the graphics are 3D, uh, which doesn't come into play all that often, um, but you can definitely see that the pieces are 3D. Oh, and sometimes, like, things will change color and just react to being struck by the ping. So I think, actually, the theme... I'm just now noticing this. 
the theme for the second set of levels is like asteroids because there's little spaceships flying around in the background and there's stars and stuff. He definitely on Twitter was the the developer was talking about um, seeking inspiration in old school games and there's even a few I believe cameos from characters of other like indie games and stuff. Oh really? Yeah. I don't know if that's in the final version that you had. I think so. I, I haven't been able to play it because I don't have a platform that's available on. That's why I, I sent it to you. Um, yeah, uh, it's coming soon to PC. I believe Mac and Linux, uh, Wii U, and hopefully iOS. I, I would love to be able to play this while I'm pooping or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. I mean, why wouldn't you want to play with balls while you're pooping? I do anyway, so. <laughs> there are no balls. There's only the orange. The almighty orange. Overall, I give it 10 pings out of 10. Wow. Don't you want less ping, though? You want a lower ping. Yeah, but we're talking about pings. All right, maybe you're right. So zero pings, then. <laughs> the best possible <laughs> score you can get in terms of pings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is it possible to complete a level with zero pings? No. Actually, I guess it would be, but you would have to not bounce at all. Yeah. So I, I think it would be a poorly designed level. So last time I checked, we're actually in the credits of this game. Portable power is? Yeah. Cool, cool. I don't know if it's this version or the Wii U version or what, or if there are different versions. But yeah, he posted a screenshot on Twitter. We're famous! Woo! We're ping famous. <laughs> no, this is awesome, though. Um, the developer went to E3... And I, yeah. I messaged him after he got back, and I just I asked him what Reggie smells like. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, man cologne. The manliest <laughs> cologne ever. <laughs> Something we can all aspire to is to oh, smell yeah. like him. If you want this fantastic casual puzzle game, search for Nami Tentomushi on the Play Store, and you'll be able to find it for only a dollar, apparently. Um, I'm doing an episodic game as well, just like Kevin, called Moon Chronicles for the Nintendo 3DS. This was developed by Renegade Kid, and it's available exclusively on the Nintendo eShop for 3DS. So, Moon Chronicles is a remake of the 2009 game Moon for the Nintendo DS. Um, and it also has the honor of being both the first FPS and the first episodic game for the 3DS. But, like, this isn't like a loud, xenophobic, teabagging shooter like you're going to get on your home consoles. This is, this is more similar to, like, um, like an old-school, atmospheric sci-fi game, first and foremost. And it's like a shooter second, I'd, I'd say. The story involves some, like, shady crap going down on Earth's moon base, and then there's angry robots, and I don't know. It's it's fairly well presented, but like um, you don't finish episode one with many answers, and that's all that's out as of recording is episode one. The tone of the game is sort of scary and oppressive, which is a good thing in a sci-fi mystery kind of thing. The voice acting has a B movie feel, which I don't mind. I I, I still think like 
the live action opening scene to the original PlayStation Resident Evil is freaking awesome. So what does this like look like as a game? Um, for starters, like you're a dude in a bulky astronaut suit. So movement is slower than modern gamers might be used to. Uh, the exception to that would be, of course, like um, the brilliant Zombie U game for Wii U that nobody played and the press hated, and you can all go to hell. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I digress. Um, as, as far as the visuals and atmosphere, Moon Chronicles harkens back to like 90s shooters like um, System Shock or Ooh. Quake or Marathon. Um, it owes a lot to the Metroid Prime series as well. In fact, uh, although the hero doesn't like turn into a ball, he does have this little robot drone that he can send out, and it fits into tight spots and unlocks doors and solves puzzles, and you can even stun enemies with it. So it's almost like a stand-in for like Samus's uh, ball form in the Metroid series. The 3D effect in the game is pretty good, but the graphics are just okay. They're obviously higher resolution, than the original DS game, but they don't, just don't really translate well. Like, the level layouts, they're not as linear as today's modern, like, corridor shooters, um, but neither are they as, like, maze-like as, like, the shooters from back in the day, like Doom. I don't know, the, the environments are, like, kind of bland, I have to say. They may have been impressive on the DS, but they're pretty dull at, in, this, in their up form. Uh, the architecture of the rooms, it's all very basic, and there's a lot of repeated assets, just like crates and computer terminals and stuff like that. Um, one major disappointment is the enemy variety. In episode one, you'll fight the same, like, three tiny robots for most of the, like, two or so hours it takes to complete it, and they're not terribly threatening or, like, visually impressive. Once you get the first real gun in the game, they're actually like really a pushover. And only like near the end of the episode do you get to fight a couple of like big robot bosses that break up the monotony of it all, but it seems kind of like too little too late. The controls are nice. There are like four different setups for like different style of players. You can um aim with the stylus and move with the circle pad. You can aim with the circle pad and walk with the buttons, which is like my golden eye Nintendo 64 preference. And there's even support for circle pad, circle pad pro. So something for everybody in, in terms of controls. Um, I preferred aiming with the stylus and I think it works really well, but I played on an original 3DS that has kind of like the sharpish corners. So the way you kind of have to hold the system one-handed for that control scheme and maybe others is kind of uncomfortable. I don't know, XL, 3DS XL owners might look out there with its more like comfortable corners. The unbalanced sort of one-handed grip might be kind of a task for some people. Overall, I, I think Moon Chronicles is a little bit overpriced for what you're getting. There are a few unlockable virtual reality missions that um, extend the life of the game, but I I didn't find that prospect like terribly appealing, so I didn't really seek out what you had to do to get them. So you're paying $9 here for the first like hub episode, and later there will be more episodes for like $2 each, and I'll probably buy them just to see how the story pans out, but 
I'm not in love with the game like I hoped I would be. As much as it harkens back to those old shooters that I played back in the day, it just didn't really like grip me the way I wanted to. Um, I can recommend it to fans of those old games, I guess, because it's pretty much all you're going to get nowadays. Like Every other game is just like, run down a straight path, watch a cutscene, shoot some dudes, whatever. I can also recommend it to maybe sci-fi fans. It's got a decent story. It's a little B-movie, like I said earlier, but it's not bad. Um, but hardcore shooter fans, like, I don't know, it's the only game you're going to get like this on the 3DS right now, but I, I, it's hard for me to recommend it to them. So, does it allow you to abuse prostitute, though? Like Wolf Among Us. There are no prostitutes in this game, and that's actually another thing I'm going to knock it for. <laughs> like, I just really wanted to slap around some women. <laughs> it's, it's not a real game in 2014 unless you can verbally and physically abuse the opposite sex. So... You know, points taken off for that, but overall, it's not bad. <laughs> I, I can't say you've painted a glowing picture of it, to be honest. Wait, wait, glowing? Moon? Glow? Oh. Did you the do moon that on only purpose? glows because no. the sun reflects off of it. That was very scientific of you. I don't know. That was the most terrible... I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. <laughs> I was okay with it. Uh, well, I don't know. So let's hear about your retro review, Kevin, for our portable past. We're going to talk about my portable past right now? Oh, yeah. Well, all right. Let me just pull up. My iPad went to sleep. Hang on. Pull up my notes. Suck on my notes. <laughs> this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters. <laughs> it's developed by Nintendo R&D 1 and released in United States in 1991. It's currently available on the 3DS eShop for $3.99. This is the second game in the Kid Icarus series, and then the property was never heard from again until 2012's Kid Icarus Uprising on the 3DS. Only took 21 years. Yeah, yeah, really. Um... So, the story is that the goddess Pelotena has a nightmare. That's the story. <laughs> um, this could all be solved with a nightlight, but instead Pit goes out and fills monsters with arrows. Um, the game is uh, kind of like an old school um, platformer, but what it does differently is that it's a vertical scrolling platformer, which gives it kind of a fresh feel because, you know... In games like, you know, we, we talked extensively about Mega Man before. Um, in games like that where, you know, you're going left to right, you can go left to right indefinitely. It's kind of like a loop, but, like, the only way to progress is to actually move up through the levels. It gives it a fresh feeling, and, and the overworld levels feel vast because of that. Because mm -hmm. unlike the first Kid Icarus game, once you ascend to a certain level, you can actually go back down without dying. It's not, you know, it's not a bottomless pit. It's an entire level that you can ascend and descend as you see fit yeah i just played the original kid icarus on my lunch today because mm -hmm. uh, i have it on my 3ds and yeah it's really freaking annoying when <laughs> i go up one screen and then suddenly it's a bottomless pit now yeah that's not the case in of myths and monsters and i think the, i think it's a better game for that 
the fortress le- there are um, fortress levels in addition to the overworld levels like basically the way it works is there there are four worlds broken down into four levels and the first three are overworld levels where you know you're climbing and it's this this big open world and then there's a fortress level that's kind of like a labyrinth minus David Bowie however um he did leave his cup behind um oh. well cups are how you restore your life so presumably you drink the contents of David Bowie's cup nice yeah and that restores your life so <laughs> life giving jizz that's gross yeah it's pretty gross Every level has rooms and doors scattered throughout. Um, some of them contain secrets, uh, or you know, like shops where you can buy weapons and items, or training that allow you to to acquire magical treasures that make you more powerful. So you can gain like light arrows, or a more powerful bow, or an arrow that has longer range. Which is a godsend because the original bow has like a three foot range. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not even a ranged weapon. <laughs> It's kind of like Link's sword in the original Legend of Zelda when you don't have your hearts full <laughs> in terms of range. Yeah. Um, so exploration is key to Kid Icarus, but it doesn't feel overwhelming because there's a break between levels. So it, it's it's very similar to Metroid in terms of like exploration, but everything's broken down into separate levels, so it's not like a giant you know, world that... like I kind of find that overwhelming in Metroid games, so I think I prefer Kid Icarus's approach to it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Kid Icarus, as a series, kind of has like a humorous, lighthearted take on Greek mythology. Um, the perfect example of this is the series, in my mind, their most iconic villain, the Eggplant Wizard. <laughs> um, he turns you into an eggplant that's capable of doing nothing but running and jumping, and it's a status that won't go away until you find a nurse to lift um, that curse that's been placed on you. It isn't meant to be taken ser- terribly seriously, although for a game that's kind of silly, the difficulty is really high. Mm-hmm. Not as high as the original, though. No, not as high as the original. I-, I played the original briefly, and I could not make it very far. Visually, the graphics look almost exactly like Kid Icarus for the NES, which, I mean, it wasn't an overly impressive game in terms of, you know, on the NES hardware, but um, for Game Boy hardware, you know, like... It's it's pretty impressive, and unlike the Mega Man games, you know the, the sprite isn't too big on screen. It's just it's basically a monochromatic Kid Icarus. Mm-hmm. The music is very enjoyable and sounds like classic eight bit era music. It's you know whimsical and adventurous, which matches the series perfectly. I think it has a good soundtrack, and I found myself like replaying the first level a couple of times just so I could play the game to that soundtrack again. It's it's a lot of fun, and you know it, it keeps. Um, like, a light-hearted feel to it throughout. In fact, like, even at the very end, you know, you beat the, the final boss, um, this demon named Orcos, and the final cutscene is just Pit jumping up through clouds, flying with his wings, and at the very end, he flies too high, and the sun melts his wings, and he falls. I forgot about that. This is one of the first games I got for my Game Boy. Oh, really? You beat it? Yeah, back in the day. That's cool. I have, I have it on my 3DS, and, um... I've been playing it this week, but, like, I don't know. I'm just not as good at old-school games as I used to be, so I didn't get very far. I got to the first dungeon, the first fortress, I mean, and mm-hmm. just, like, I got lost and got annoyed and quit. You know, the boss fights in this game are actually pretty tough. Like, you have to—it's a lot of pattern recognition, mm-hmm. um, and particularly the first boss, like, before you get, like, all of the bow upgrades and have decent range, like— you have to get really close to him to deal damage, and he does a fuck ton of damage when he hits you. 
Yeah. And what's cool is Kid Icarus has a life bar, and it's not just like a Mario one-hit kill or whatever. Right, yeah, but he still takes pretty heavy damage from some of these bosses. So each time you beat a boss, though, you get, like, an item that makes you, like, a better warrior, right? You you gain, um, you gain another, like, health bar, usually. Oh, where do you get the magical items, like the force field and For all that crap? Training. There are, like, hidden oh. doors that have, like, training in them. But yeah, like, like the, 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 bo the boss encounters in this game are a real highlight. Like, particularly the final boss, who is, like, multiple screens tall. You can't even see him, like, in his entirety on the screen at the same time. He looks like the devil. Yeah, well, he's a demon. Um, like, so, so the first phase of his fight, he's the same size as Pit, more or less. But he, fl but like you've just gained the ability to fly, and he can fly. So you're flying around this room, like trading shots at each other, and then you defeat him, and he turns into this giant boss that takes like several screens, just like you know, to to even be able to see all of him. He's just he's massive, and it's a really impressive like epic ending fight. I think like I mean I didn't find him to be incredibly difficult, although he was still kind of tough. I'm gonna have to look that up. I don't remember that. Yeah, look up uh, Orcos. It's. It, it was a pretty fun fight. Yeah, I overall, I can, I can recommend trying out Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters. It's a, it's a Nintendo franchise that is, for some reason, not all that, not terribly overexposed. Like, it's, you know, only had really three official entries in the series, Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters and Uprising for the 3DS. Mm -hmm. And apparently not any more in the series in the near future. Who knows? I don't know. Uprising didn't sell super well. I still see the deluxe set with the stand on the shelves mm -hmm. at game stores. I, I loved Uprising. I, di I didn't get to play it. There's a lot of games for the 3DS I've yet to play. I need to get around to. It's murder on your joints, but it was a fun game. <laughs> and it's, you know, the same people who did Smash Brothers. Right. Like, how can you not love that? And the multiplayer is very smashy, isn't it? No, not really. Okay. Um, I... It's, you know, like, able to be played in short bursts, like Smash. Oh, I'm thinking of Kirby. I don't know why I was thinking of Kirby. Sorry. Yeah, I honestly found Uprising's multiplayer to be more like... I don't want to say an FPS, because it isn't first person. It's very, like, third-person deathmatch, though. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, like, take, a, take an FPS deathmatch and make it third-person, and that's the game. I feel like Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters is, you know, a solid sequel. It's actually better than the original. And for anyone who like craves like that kind of old school like two D platformer with like a with the vertical scrolling twist on it, I, I can I can easily recommend it. I don't even like scrolling games, and you made it sound enjoyable. So, good work. Well, thank <laughs> thank you. I mean, good work, Nintendo, for your game franchises. Yeah, not milking them. Well, except Mario. <laughs> Mario totally got milked, and I I I don't know. Like two years ago, I think they milked Zelda a little bit too. Can we all just like pause for a moment and picture Shigeru Miyamoto actually milking Mario? <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's his nipples or his prostate, just picture it. It doesn't matter. Man That's milk. Beautiful. Mm -mm -mm. Guess who else is drunk? I don't know. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> That's how we know we're podcasting correctly. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's been a while since I got this silly. Where I start doing the weirdo kid voices. And talking about milking Mario? <laughs> and, well, no, that's... 
that's par for the course, that's, to be honest. Yeah, it really is. Well, at least we all know that this episode has a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kevin wins podcasting. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, that's the end of this episode. We'll be back mid-July, maybe 1st August. Who knows? Depends how many games we actually get around to playing. Until then, track us down on iTunes. Give us a nice rating. Give us a nice review. Um, maybe consider subscribing to us. That would be nice. But if you're yeah. not a subscribing type of person, you can always go to portablepower.popularoutcasts.com and stream the podcast there and check out a bunch of other really great podcasts as well. And a, and a couple really mediocre ones. Um, there's also this... <laughs> no offense. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Those those guys quit a long time ago. Um, there's also this big purple Amazon banner on, on that website, and it's clearly labeled, hook us up. If you do that, if you click on that banner, let me tell you what happens. But first, clear your cookies, then click yeah. on that banner. Correct. We get a cut of what you spend at no additional cost to you. That means we get to put money towards hosting costs, new microphones, new headphones, podcasting new stuff, e-cigarette supplies, all kinds of crazy crap. My my um, pet project of shutting down the World Cup forever. No, soccer is the most tolerable sport in the world. But it's still a sport. <laughs> um, it's still a sports. Uh, what else do we have? <laughs> We have we have a Twitter, and it's at Portable Power FM, one word. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Portable Power Podcast. Uh, email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com. You want us to have you on the show? That's where, that's where you want to hit us up. You want us to review your game that you reviewed and give us a bunch of free copies? That's, that's where you go. You want to just, like, I don't know, you want to see pictures of us in our skivvies? That's where you email us. So, But if you look for that of me, they're already somewhere on the internet. You can probably oh, yeah. find them. Hogdong.com. <laughs> <laughs> what else? We're on Vine sometimes. We're on Twitch, rarely. We're on DeviantArt sporadically. Yeah, that's it. We have a bunch of websites, and you should go to all of them. So we can feel like we're popular because we weren't in high school. Kevin was popular in high school. That is not true, sir. <laughs> Slander. <clears throat> all right. Well, that's it for uh, this episode. Hope you all have a lovely day or evening. And I and, hope that um, Emerson has a lovely birthday on the day this releases. Oh yeah, everybody. I plan to wish Emerson a happy birthday on our Facebook or email or whatever because the day this releases is Emerson's birthday and he's gonna be twenty-one. Woo! <laughs> Old enough to drink. Finally, you can stop drinking that Brita. Wa- I'm sorry, that Keurig shit that you're drinking now. <laughs> that Folgers. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pib. <laughs> Sierra Mist. <laughs> You're just saying beverage names and it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everybody. Good night.
got a case of the sillies. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only prescription is... More IPA? Uh, no, that's the opposite of what I need right now. I only drank half that bottle. Oh, jeez. Um, wow. It's a 22, but... Oh, okay. Sure. All right. Um, I've been uh, asked to join my wife for television downstairs. So I'm going to go uh-huh. tell my wiener jokes down there. Oh, does she appreciate <laughs> them? She does not. 